Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Today is our final message in a series that we've been appropriately calling Stormproof. Stormproof. And we've been looking at ways to, I'm going to say, effectively stormproof our lives. Why? Well, Jesus told us that in this world we will have trouble. In this world we will have problems. In this world we will have storms that come into our lives. But he told us to to be of good courage, he said, because he has overcome this world. In other words, it's not about the book of the month club. Uh, It's not about um, Oprah Winfrey. It's not about even your favorite therapist. It's about Jesus. Come on, somebody. Look to him. Look to him. Now, and we see that reflected in what has become our theme verse, which is Psalms 107, verse 29 through 31. It says, he calmed the storm to a whisper and still the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love for the wonderful things he has done for them. And I always just like to ask, man, has God done anything for you? Come on, somebody. Anything that you're not saying, you know, you know God did it. God did it. God brought you through it. And I'm a firm believer in that if he's done it before, he'll do it again. Now, Jesus told us practically how to stormproof our lives. We looked at that last week in Matthew chapter 7. He says in, in verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, help me out, somebody, and puts them into practice, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so the difference between the house that was, quote-unquote, stormproof and the one that fell with a great crash, the stormproof house Listen to what the word of God was, and they didn't just listen, they put it into practice. They didn't allow it to go in one ear and out the other. And in so doing, it established a firm rock foundation for their lives, for their marriages, for their children. And the ones who let it go in one ear and out the other, he likened it to a foolish person who builds his house on sand. Now both hear God's word, Both are builders. Everyone is building something. Both go through storms, but only one stands. And just like Jesus pointed out, two groups, the wise and the foolish, we also looked at the Apostle Paul in Galatians. He he identifies two natures that plague, well, not just plague, that are involved with all of us who are believers. He says there's the sinful nature and the spirit nature. He says we all have them both, born born with the sinful nature, born again 
with the spiritual nature. Come on, somebody. And these two forces, he says, are constantly fighting each other. The sinful nature, uh, the word he used was craves. The sinful nature craves sinful things, and then he identified what those sinful things were. He says idolatry, which is basically putting anything above God. He says sexual immorality, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties, and the lights. He says, these are all a result of your sinful nature, and this is what your sinful nature desires. But then he pointed out, and he's speaking to the church, the Galatian church. He's talking to believers. He says, I warn you in verse 21, as I did before, that those who live like this, help me out somebody, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He didn't say may not. He didn't say if God is having, not feeling good that day. He spoke pretty definitively. He said if you're living this way, if you're practicing this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor Rick, I go to church. I said a prayer when I was three years old. Either, either Paul is correct or he totally missed it. But he also tells us that if the sinful nature has got a grip on your life, he tells us how to overcome it. Verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, I said it last week, whatever nature you feed will lead. You remember the hidden drawer story I told you about? Right? Where you're constantly reaching in, and the reason you're not losing the weight is because there was a hidden drawer. Well, a lot of us have hidden drawers in our lives. Things that we're reaching for that are causing us problems. Things like sexual immorality or porn or drunkenness or partying like a rock star. star and, and you're wondering why you're not growing in the things of the Lord. The reason is because you are feeding the beast. You are feeding the sinful nature, and your struggles, if you continue to do that, will become exponentially more difficult to overcome. The Bible says, whatever you lend your members to, that shall be your master. And he says, I don't want you to be mastered by anything except the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, somebody. And so God wants us to not be constantly feeding the beast. Now, Paul concludes in verse 25, he says, since we are living by the Spirit, he says, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Here's another thing, where? In every part of our lives. And I'm going to tell you this morning, that is the key to storm-proofing your life spiritually. That is the difference between 
the house that is established on a firm foundation and the one that comes crashing down like a house of cards. Let the Holy Spirit, and this is your feeling, lead in not just some areas of your life, but in every area of your lives. Again, that's the difference between the wise and the foolish builder, the difference between standing on the firm rock of God's word, which is able to withstand all the storms of life, or sinking into the shifting sands of culture, a culture that I believe is becoming increasingly more and more anti-Christ. Is it me? That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'm telling you, the battleground is right here. And then he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so knowing the will of God for our lives is what's at stake here if we don't get this right. It's important. So, so why did Paul say following the behaviors and the customs of this world will put knowing the will of God at risk in our lives? Because behaviors and customs change like the wind. I remember a few years ago, we were celebrating the founding fathers in our nation. Now they're tearing down their statues. When I was in school, I was taught that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Now the revisionists have come behind and they're rewriting history and say, well, because he transported slaves or something, he was an evil person, and so they're trying to replace him. They've replaced prayer and the Ten Commandments in the school, and they've put in metal detectors, social bending groups, and so-called pride flags. Mothers aren't mothers anymore. They are now birthing people and chest feeders. Men can be women, and women can be men. And if you identify as a cat or a unicorn, some idiot's going to say, sure, that's you. And they do all this because... In the very first book of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created. And when he spoke of us, human beings, he says he created them male and female. And so if you can get them confused about their own genders and say there's not just two, and you can switch it around, and God made a mistake, and you are what you think you are, if you can erase the very first chapter of the book of the Bible, if that's suspect, then the whole thing is suspect. Oh, come on, somebody, you're not listening. They're replacing God's word with foolish customs and new traditions. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. 
They will be boastful and proud, scoffing, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So what's the slippery slope that will usher in the last days or show us what's going on? He says, you will see people who love themselves. Can I take a selfie? Come on, somebody. Click, click, click. 50 million pictures of your own face. Lovers of money, disobedient to parents, scoffers, scoffers of God. Listen, a wholesale rejection of God's word. In fact, he says, in the last days, they will amass people and preachers who will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear rather than what the word of God says. Whole denominations are falling to this nonsense. And people will elevate their customs and traditions over the word of the Lord or whatever they feel like at the moment. Listen, to their own detriment. Now, to a lesser extent, this was happening during Christ's time in Jerusalem. And Jesus weighed in on what was taking place during his time in the Gospel of Mark, I want you to listen this morning. Mark chapter 5, chapter 7, verse 5. He says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law asked them, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremonies. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And then he said, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. Verse 10, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents and so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. And so of all the examples of what he called worship was a farce or fake worship, and the setting aside of God's word in favor of tradition, he chose commandment number five. What's commandment number five? Help me someone. Are we sure? 
we say commandment. I said, there you go. We, we say commandment, but today it's treated like the ten suggestions. Honor your father and your mother. And then he says, you went on and says, don't speak disrespectfully to them or you're going to have serious consequences. How many you know many people would be in trouble today if, if what they were doing back then was happening today? Just on the disrespectful access aspect, I saw on the news this week a bunch of teenagers going into a, a convenience store and beating the woman, who's an older woman, beating her up for candy and cigarettes. I mean, beating this woman up and ransacking the store. I remember a few years ago, there was this big public outcry. Maybe you remember one there was in an Asian country. I can't remember where it was. It was Taiwan or one of those places. An American teenager who had dual citizenship went over there and stole from a store. Mouthed off. They took that kid out in front of everybody, the city square, and they caned him in front of everyone and televised it. Didn't kill him, but they caned him. And there was this big outcry of how barbaric these people are that they would do such a thing. And their response was, listen, when you can control your youth, then we'll take advice from you guys. Are controlling ours. And so in this case, not only were the Jews not honoring their elderly parents because in their system they didn't have social security, they didn't have all these, you know, these uh, net, uh, safety nets for the elderly person. You didn't put them away in a nursing home. The system was that when you were small, your parents took care of you, and as the parents got older, you took care of them. But the Jews had figured out a workaround. The workaround was instead of taking care of their needy parents, they can take that money that they would normally have given to them, they set aside for them, and call it what they call a carbon or something along those lines, where they say it was dedicated to God. And this way, because now it's dedicated to God, they've sidestepped what they were supposed to do under obligation to take care of their family, and they let their elderly parents suffer. And it became a tradition, and Jesus pointed out, you have sidestepped the commandment of the Lord in favor of your own traditions. They set up a workaround and they elevated their own tradition over the word of the law, which was Jesus' greater point. I want you to write this down. If you are following the customs and traditions of this world over the word of the Lord, you can expect to miss God almost every time. If what they say is more important to you than what he says, you are going to miss him almost every time. Every time. And when, not if those storms hit, the house you are building, and I said everyone is building something, the house you are building or have built will come crumbling down like a house made in sand. Now the Bible says to avoid all this is to walk after the Spirit. 
or to apply God's word in every part of our lives. Does every mean every? Come on, somebody. So for the next few minutes, let's practically do what we did with faith. Because the scripture tells us what kind of faith God is looking for. He said, Jesus says, when I come on this earth, will I find faith? The scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he is. And not only that he is, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It takes effort. The Bible says, you, you say you believe in God? <laughs> Great. <laughs> the devil believes in God too, and he trembles. And so he tells us faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Works is the evidence that you have faith. And so we can look at the word of God and, see, and look at it in context and get to where we need to be. We can do that with every area of our lives. You want to find God's will in your life? Well, we just looked at it in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And in that moment, then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Anybody interested in a good, pleasing, and perfect life? In other words, when your thoughts start to line up with God's thoughts, you will start to discern his will for you in every area of your life. Maybe you're here today or listening online and you're dealing with fear and anxiety. Then I go to the word of God and he tells me a few things. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. God, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Hold on. He says, I'm not doing that to you. I've not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. But what has he given us? A spirit of power. Come on, say, someone say power and love. And self-discipline, one, part, one says self-control. Pastor Rick, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you can, with God's help, amen? With the Holy Spirit living in you, you can overcome any stronghold in your life. This is just how God made me. No, no. He can pull down any and every stronghold, any sinful stronghold that has taken hold of your life with the Holy Spirit in your life, he can, you can overcome that. I like the scripture that says that, that we are perfectly loved by the Father. Amen? 1 Peter 5 says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. You need provision in your life, Matthew 6, 31. This is my go-to. Jesus speaking, we know it's him because it's in the red letters. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of believers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Do you believe that? I'm going to say it again. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Jesus is saying this. So what does he tell us to do? This is what I want you to do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God, and he will give you everything you need. And then he goes on to say, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. 
Today's trouble is enough for today. How many of you are worried about tomorrow? Anxious about everything that's going on? Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You need more God in your life? Hebrews 4.16. He says, so let us come boldly to the throne room of grace, to our gracious God, and there we will, we will receive a beat over the head for the bad things we've done. I, only one person read that with me. Help me out, somebody. What does it say? Mercy. There you will receive his mercy, and you will find grace to do what? To help us when we need it the most. And so he's given us an open invitation. Listen, don't ever run away from God. But Pastor Rick, I messed up. That's the time to run to him. Pastor Rick, I'm having a problem. He's giving you an open invitation. He tells us that if you need more of him, come boldly to the throne room of his gracious, uh, to our gracious God. And he tells us what we will find there. We will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. My Bible says a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. But he says he opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So when I come to God in a, in a posture of humility, it causes him to run to me. But if I, am, I, am I out there with pride and arrogance, and today now they're doing pride parades. Imagine that. They're naming the demon of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> that they're celebrating. And you're going to find yourself, and that's the custom now. They've raised that flag over the White House. That's the custom. And my Bible says pride comes before the fall and a haughty heart before destruction. Listen to me. God doesn't make mistakes. You understand, Pastor Rick, I'm a woman inside of a man's body. God made a mistake. No, he don't make mistakes. He just doesn't. The what you think is, I'm not unsympathetic to what you're feeling, but feelings lie. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Feelings change like the weather. If you had a marriage based on your feelings, well, that's what's going on in the country today. I, I feel like I love you today and tomorrow I don't. But if it's based on the commitment and the word of God, my wife is stuck with me. <laughs> Pray for her. Someone said truth. I heard an amen too loud. problems with the devil? Pastor Rick, devil's on my back. James 4, 6 through 8. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, 
resist the devil. And what does it say? He will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And so some people say, well, Pastor Rick, I've, I've done that. I've, I'm resisting the devil. It's not working. I'm, and I always like to say, no, it doesn't just say resist the devil. What does it say? Help me. Some of you missed it. What, what does it say? It says, humble yourself before God. Submit yourself to God. And then resist the devil. See, see when, I, when I get to the place where I'm in submission to God, and he says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and if I draw near to God, he draws near to me. If God is drawing near to me, then God is with me. And so if God is with me, and now I've humbled myself before the Lord, and that demonic thing is coming at me, now that thing has to deal with my God. You understand what I'm saying? When I was a young, young man, I was I mean, not that big, very thin. And I remember I was on the school bus. And in South Florida, things were racially, in some places, it was still racially tense. And I remember getting on the bus one day, and I was maybe, I don't know, buck 30. And there was two guys on there who were bigger, and they decided, because I was of a different color, they are going to start talking trash. And I was always one that if I was going to talk trash to me, I was going to talk trash back. And they started calling me names and all sorts of things. And I gave it back just the same way. And next thing we you know, I got off the bus and all of a sudden one of them sucker punched me. <laughs> but what they didn't realize is my older brother was on the bus. <laughs> and next thing, I didn't even have a chance to react. This guy goes flying across the floor because my brother just whopped him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if you ever put your hand. See, he didn't know my big brother <laughs> was on the bus. Listen, the devil may not be afraid or concerned of you, but I promise you, when big brother Jesus steps into the picture, oh, you got some power on your side. And so he doesn't just say resist on your own. He says submit yourself to God. Oh, humble yourself. And then resist the devil. See what happens. Because the God in you is much stronger than that spirit that's outside coming against you but it is a process and so he says to, to take our every area of our life listen this book has something to say about every area of our lives Ma uh, your marriage relationship it, it has things to say about that raising children having problems with that it talks about that with your finances it, got, it goes into explicit details about how to handle that ministry missions that, that God approves it tells us not, not the fake false pseudo religion that the world is now setting up and, and, that, and redefining what so called 
lobbies and regurgitating that to everybody. It's not very loving of you to talk to three years old about changing their gender and not letting them know, not, not letting them know that nonsense. God's got a standard and it's his word. And if you allow the customs of this world to be elevated over his word, you will miss God every single time. And if your loyalty is divided, like what the scripture says, between God and the world, you will never experience the will of the Father in any of these areas of your life. And so he tells us what to do in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. And this is not even a, just a physical thing. It might be physical in some, in some cases, but in your heart, this needs to happen. He says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. And don't touch the filthy things. And, and, and filthy is defined not by what I say, but what the word of God says. And as he says, and then I will welcome you and I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And the very next verse says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness. Why? Because we fear God. And, and the fear it's talking about is a reverence for the Lord of which the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the moment they pull the word of God out of our schools, foolishness came in and took its place. So if you and I are going to effectively stormproof our lives, you are going to start right here in God's word not with custom not with popular opinion not with what Oprah says but with what God says and you're going to present to God an undivided heart because he says come out come out come out of it because the only thing that's going to do is to pull you into deception and confusion. And for many of you, your parents, your grandparents, and it's not only going to confuse, bring deception and confusion into your life, it's going to bring deception and confusion into your children's life. This is my promise. Whatever happens in the culture, and I know it's going to happen because the Word of God tells me, <laughs> culturally it's going to get worse. Your pastor is going to do your best to tell you what the Word of God says, even if it's inconvenient. Because like I said last week, I'd rather be a fool in the eyes of this world than a fool in the eyes of God. If you want to stormproof your life, you're going to elevate God's Word. And you're going to apply it. Forgiveness, the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness. Forgive as God has forgiven you in every area of your life.
the same grace that he's applied to you, he says, I want you to turn around and apply it to the people around you because we are increasingly living in a godless society. He says they will raise up, they will, they will um, have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof they will just be going through the motions. They'll deny the power that, they'll deny the very entity that has the ability to make them godly, which is the word of God. And if they're going after the very beginning, which is in the beginning, God created, well, well, as far as they're concerned, God didn't create it. You evolved from some monkey or some amoeba, some fish. So if that's not true, then the next part isn't true. Made you male and female. No, you have, you can pick your gender and you can be 64 different genders. You can be a unicorn if you want to. You can be a cat or a dog. And so if this isn't true and this isn't true, then let's just throw out the whole thing. And that's what they're doing. Make no mistake, that's exactly what they're doing. Don't let it happen in your life, in your heart, with your family. Do not let it happen. Amen? But it all starts, amen, it all starts with who Jesus is, who he says he is. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And then he gave us many signs to point to and to help us to prove who he is, where he was going to be born, what was going to happen to him in, 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 in terms of crucifixion. The whole nine yards, it, it's prophesied, hundreds of prophecies. But one of the biggest ones for me is, like I said last week, the entire world is setting their time based on the life of just one man. B.C. and A.D. If that ain't a sign, I don't know what that what is. And they're trying to change that too. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. So it starts with you saying yes to Jesus. And in that moment, the scripture says, do not be conformed to the patterns or the customs of this world, but be ye transformed. The transformation takes place right here by the renewing of your mind, by the changing of your stinking thinking. And then it says, once that starts to happen, then you'll start to understand what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is for your life. I don't know about anyone else. I want to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for my life. Jesus showed us how to do it. He says, if you take these words of mine and put them into practice, all those storms that come in your life, come in your life, it's going to come and it's going to go. But if you take these words of his, let it go in one ear and out the other, whatever you're building, eventually, it may not happen today or tomorrow, but it's eventually, I mean, you see it with Hollywood. They've reached the top of their pinnacle. Thinking about, what was that comedian's name? Uh, uh, Mr. Do Mrs. Doubtfire, what was his name? Robin Williams. I'm thinking about all these musicians, they reached the top of what they were told was going to be the best of Whitney, um, you know. They get to the top and they end up killing themselves, overdosing. Because they realize 
It's a trap. Stay in God's house. It starts with Christ. So as we come to an end, like I always say, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. It's not hard, but you just got to be serious. And God will honor your heart position. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when I humble myself before the Lord and I recognize that, and I say what the Word of God says about me, the Word of God says that I'm a sinner, that we all have a sinful nature that is offensive to God. And the wages for my sin is what I deserve is death. And the death it's talking about is not a physical death. Everyone dies physically. It's talking about an eternal separation from the Father. You will live, the real you, the you inside your body is going to live forever somewhere. Either in the presence of the Lord or eternally separated from Him. And He says you cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. And that's where that scripture comes in. But for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and I always like to tell the kids we read that scripture but do we ever insert our names I want you to insert your name for God so loved say it out loud some of you didn't say it I'm going to say it one more time for God so loved God so loved Pastor Rick that he gave his one and only son that if I believe in him I will not perish but I will have eternal life he's calling us to believe in him and him alone for our salvation so if that's you today you've not yet done that or you need to recommit your life to him it's my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him let's bow our heads and close our eyes say something like this from your heart Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge what your word says. I have sinned. I have fallen short. I have not always done what you've asked me to do. I have broken your commandments. I've not always honored my parents. I've not always put you first. I've had lust in my heart. I've not always told the truth. And so, Father, I acknowledge these things. I ask you to forgive me. And today I put my trust completely in what Christ has done to pay for those sins so that I can be eternally in your presence. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And help me not to live a divided life. But help me to elevate your word above what the world says. Your word above customs and traditions. And help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. 
Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.